If you enjoy podcasts like this, you should check out our other shows on Health Podcast Network. For example, Nurse Wellness Podcast, hosted by Wendy Garvin Mayo, focuses on the power of stress management and how it's foundational to being your best, doing your best, and giving your best. There's a wonderful episode that you should check out called Letting Go, where Wendy Garvin Mayo shares six strategies to release control and manage stress effectively. Check out Nurse Wellness Podcast on your favorite podcast platform or visit healthpodcastnetwork.com. Hey, 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 it's Dr. Erica, and welcome to another episode of Better with Dr. Erica. And you know what? It's that time. It's time for a best of episode. This one focuses on leadership, mindset, and money. Some of my favorite things, but I won't sing that song for you because you know I have a voice even my mother doesn't love. Now, this episode includes clips from Money, Financial Health, and Making Brave Changes with Dr. Randy Nelson, Mentorship and the Importance of Being in the Room with Dr. Tracy Hermanstein, Confidence, Taking Action, and Purpose with Drexwell Seymour, and Intellectual Property and Finding Joy at Work with Kenya Pierre. So these are some episodes I totally love. It doesn't matter where you are in your professional or personal journey, there is something for you. Now this episode is going to help you be better, do better, and live better. You know that there will be some shareable moments in this episode, so let me tell you how we do it in Better Nation. All you have to do is post the shareable info or quote with the hashtag Better Nation. It's just that simple. First up is Dr. Randy Nelson. She is a pediatrician, former investment banking executive, and financial wellness expert. That's a mouthful. I want some Dr. Randy in my life. This clip explores how she went from investment banking to becoming a doctor. Yes, she sure did that, y'all. This story just always captures me. This clip also highlights two of the better seven, support and self-talk. You know the better seven, those seven essential things that you need to have your best life. Yep, that's what we have going on. And guess what? I will see you on the other side of this clip. (laughs) So as I was telling my guest last week, you know, I recently watched Brown Sugar. Oh, the movie? Yes. Oh my gosh. I was like, this hits so different in your 40s than it did Mm -hmm. when it came out. I'm like, I understand so much more of the subtext (laughs) of this movie than I did. And I love how Sanaa Lathan's characters, you know, starts with, you know, how did you fall in love with hip hop? Mm -hmm. But since this is not a hip hop podcast Mm -hmm. (laughs) and all of my guests are not necessarily hip hop heads, um, even though I do have quite a few. I'm going to ask you another question. Uh-huh. How did you fall in love with medicine? Oh, wow. Okay. That's great. So I, you know, let me just back it up a bit. So I, you know, wasn't, I was an investment banker, not banker, accountant for 14 years. And, um, and I loved it. You know, when I was 17 growing up, 
you know, I'm the first generation um, American. My parents are Jamaican. And um, growing up and first graduate in my immediate family, college graduate, you know, I wanted to be a doctor, but I didn't think I could do it. So I decided to um, major in accounting when I went to college. I went to the uh, State University of New York in Buffalo. So I decided to uh, major in accounting, loved it, uh, graduated. Like my day after I graduated, I started hitting the streets in New York City, interviewing for jobs in investment banking. So um, that's what I did. I landed a job with one of the top investment banks in the world, Morgan Stanley. I was with them for eight years. Then I moved to Citigroup, which you know, overtook them as the mm-hmm. number one financial organization in the world. <laughs> and I did that for six years. Um, but I, you know, I would say in 1999, 19, I'm, I'm, now I'm really aging myself, but 1999, 2000, I decided that, um, you know, I'm thinking, I'm, you know, I'm thinking about my career. I'm thinking about my future. Where do I want to go? So the most logical step was to maybe get like a doctorate in business Um, because I already got my MBA. I already have these years in investment banking. That seemed logical. But then some things happened in the year 2000. I lost my father in the year 2001. I witnessed September 11th, the destruction of September 11th, the buildings, the, you know, everything. My, the Citigroup building was just five blocks away from. Oh, wow. Yeah just five blocks away from the center. So I saw everything. I witnessed everything. So, you know, you, you go through those things and, you know, you really, I did anyway, I did a complete evaluation in terms of what I really wanted to do. I just didn't want to do what was expected, the status quo. So I decided to go back and just, you know, I decided I wanted to go into medicine. And um, that was the year 2002, a year after um, the attacks And I applied for, you know, I did my prereqs that was required, still working as a vice president. (laughs) I was really hustling and scrambling, but I did it, got accepted to um, School of Medicine at Stony Brook. And um, I graduated, did my residency in the Bronx, and I've loved it ever since. I do not regret a moment. (laughs) I don't regret it at all. During that story, when you got to like, I'm a vice president and still going to med school, all I could think was that song, Every Day I'm Hustling. Every day I'm hustling. I was hustling. I mean, I was. I mean, I have my responsibilities in the daytime, you know, eight to five or whatever my hours were at the time, eight to four. And then I'm truly hustling, getting to um, my pre-med studies. And knocking those out, I was doing that six days, yeah, five days a week, you know, the weekends as well. So, yeah, I did it, but I haven't regretted. When you were doing this transition, because it sounds like one heck of a transition, Mm -hmm. how did people react to you saying, hey, or let me just change the question. How did you react? Because I see this vision of people seeing you from the outside thinking you have this great job in investment Mm -hmm. banking. You are climbing the corporate ladder. You're a vice president. Why the heck are you deciding to get a whole new career? Did you have any naysayers or people that were looking at you sideways? Like, <laughs> what the heck are you doing? Well, when I finally told people, initially I didn't tell anyone. 
Uh, I had one good friend who, you know, I spoke to, she's the one who got my applications for me at the school where I was doing my prereqs, her, my mother and my brother. And that was really it because I, you know, I understood, you know, after being in business for so long, after having a career for at that point, 10 years, you know, I know that everyone may not, you know, you have to protect your space. You have to, and when you're making a huge change like that, people are going to think that you're crazy. So initially I didn't say anything, but when Mm -hmm. I did, once I was fully steeped into my pre-med studies and I started telling folks, of course, oh, you're crazy. You're going to regret going into medicine. Uh, Why would you do that? You know, why would, you know, why would you do that? That's crazy. You know, it is, I mean, it does sound crazy on paper, but you know, you have to, I had to just listen to my inner voice and do what was right for me. And, 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 you know, and I'm pretty strong willed. I'm straight, you know, Mm -hmm. I, you know, I'm obedient to myself when it comes to those, uh, those tinglings and that intuition and, you know, those things. So I just did what I had to do and kind of blocked out. I have tunnel vision. So I'm I'm loving the fact that you talked about protecting your space. And this is a time right now where so many people are looking to make these major changes, either through the existential thoughts and realizations about purpose or what's going to make them happy, which a lot of people have started to have in this age of the pandemic and racial injustice and mm-hmm. all of these other things that make it kind of a flashpoint in human history or, or just the overall stress of life. And then we're seeing even in medicine, they're calling it the great resignation mm-hmm. where people are like, we're done. Yes. What, what advice from your personal experience would you give to people about protecting their space and continuing to move forward when you're functionally in some ways starting over professionally? Mm. I can only talk from experience. Um, Again, I, my personality is that I really don't, you know, I don't follow the pact. I don't, Mm -hmm. I don't list, you know, I'll give you another example. When I was um, applying, when I was in undergraduate mm-hmm. school at SUNY Buffalo and, you know, wanted to be an accountant there, they had a very highly rated accountant program. Everyone I spoke to at the time said, oh, you're, you're not going to get into that. I applied and I didn't get in. I, I know so many people who have tried to apply to mm-hmm. the accounting program. So don't have your heart set on it. I just, you know, I'm polite. And I listen, but I'm like, no, I'm going to get into this program. Not only did I get into the program, I got in under early admission. <laughs> so, <laughs> so you really, you, you really have to believe in yourself. You really have to believe in yourself. You have to, you know, if this is, if you have a really strong calling or urge to do something legal, let me put that in. <laughs> um, <laughs> I always got to put that in because that can go in different ways. But if you have an urge to do something and something, you know, and you just have this pull in a certain direction, you really have to have strong faith in yourself. You have to have strong faith in yourself. Everyone may not be there for you. You may not have that support, but it's, but if you believe that you can do it and if you have that faith and if, if, you know, 
and advice that you hear people are, you know, providing, you know, see where that motive is coming from. You know, just because you, you know, one person was unable to do something, that does not mean that that will be your experience. And I that's love how I feel that. that. I love that. And I know often the people out there that are listening often talk about the better seven, these seven essential areas that are important to be able to be better, do better and live better. And one of them is self-talk. And one of the things I hear so strongly about your story and your experience was no matter what everyone was telling you, you could continue to tell yourself that this was what you were supposed to do. And, and yes, you can do it. And I want to remind people that that voice you have to yourself is a very powerful voice. Very. And, you know, as the superpowers and all the superheroes say, you have to use it for good. Mm-hmm. So I love the thought of becoming intentional with, with your self-talk so that your self-talk becomes a source of strength instead of yes. a source of something else that's tearing you down. Right. That's that's key. That's key. I I love your story. Can I I feel like I need to hang out with Dr. Brandy more often. <laughs> we can. Absolutely. <laughs> like like I need to be down. I I need to be down. <laughs> Absolutely. You know. But I'm loving having you on at this particular time because I feel like there are these times where there are huge amount of people having these existential moments. Mm-hmm. Um and naturally nothing is going to be like September 11th. September 11th is September 11th. Right. Um but as we go through these major milestones and challenges and things that push us as human beings is that it's natural to then start having these thoughts around purpose and whether or not your life is set up in a way that makes you happy. And then after you start having these thoughts, naturally the next step is you identify it. And the question becomes, what do you do if what you're doing now isn't it? Right. And I love this conversation around positive self-talk, but also looking to see where you can get support from. And sometimes it's an issue of you have great people around you, Sometimes it's a situation for for the season you're in, you have to kind of tailor down your support a little smaller. Right. You know, to people that can support you in the space you're in, or you may pull some other people in like coaches and even therapists or other other people into that support network. Mm -hmm. They're going to be able to support you in that specific season. And I love the fact that you were able to be brave enough despite already having a successful career to not be afraid to pursue your other passions. Now, one of the things that's unique about you is it seems like you found a way to start kind of morphing and combining these things together. Mm-hmm. What inspired you to start reaching back and building this brand around Ladynomics. Can you tell people what Ladynomics is and kind of how did you transition into that? (laughs) Ladynomics is my financial wellness, my financial literacy brand, my programs. I, you know, I do all my things through coaching, my books, uh, speaking engagements, which I absolutely love to do. So what, how this came about is that, yeah. Okay. So I did my investment banking career for 14 years Loved it. I really did, you know, enjoy it. But I knew that 
it wasn't the future. So I had to put that behind me. Um, went into medicine, enjoyed med school, somewhat enjoyed residency. <laughs> and um, now as an attendant, I've been an attending for 10 years now. And I really, I'm a pediatrician. I love being a pediatrician. I really mm-hmm. enjoy, it's fun to me. My kids, even if, you know, if I start my day, um, I'm not in a great mood or I'm feeling a little down. When you have like, a 10 month old or a four year old who's just cute and just inquisitive and, you know, partaking in the exam. It just, it just lights you up. It really, it really. I I miss the kids. (laughs) I finally get to work with kids again next month. I haven't, I have not worked with kids in a while and I I miss them. If I, I just want to play one game of Candyland and color. Right. I just want to color and play Candyland and, you know, get my butt beat and shoots and ladders. Cause it doesn't matter how old I am. I always lose and shoot the ladders. <laughs> right. You know, and they're fun. And plus, you know, I'm doing, you know, something that's important, especially like right now I'm a pediatrician in the South Bronx. So I, my popular and my population is the homeless and the, so, you know, really socially disadvantaged um, population of children and their families. So I really feel that every single day I talk to my patients, you know, I participate in their health, in their care. I really feel like I am making a difference. Um, Mm -hmm. That's not ego or anything, but I really feel like, you know, the days, you know, it's a long day. Every, you know, every hour, every minute counts. And I feel like it really, really counts. And you know, and I remember when I was working the day that I decided I was going to do something different. I was working when I was working in investment banking. It was a holiday. I think it was, it was July 4th holiday. And those days we had to go in to work. And I'm like, why am I working? I could be with my family. I'm not a surgeon. I'm not a doctor. Mm-hmm. I'm not saving lives. And that's that was really the key for me. So, um, so I really love what I do. Um, but a couple of years ago, I decided to kind of merge my two backgrounds together. I call it, I married my two mm-hmm. backgrounds, my my financial background and my wellness health background mm-hmm. um, because I saw that there was a need for financial literacy, financial understanding. You know, we're, I have friends, we all graduated, we're all doing well financially. I know there's a lot of talk in medicine about money and salary and all that, especially being a pediatrician. Um, but I mean, we're, we're, we're top earners. And I just found out a lot of my friends really had no clue about money mm-hmm. on the flip side. As a pediatrician, I've met mothers, you know, mostly mothers, sometimes fathers, but families who were doing well, you know, they were doing well, you know, someone was working, you know, they weren't rich, but they, they were getting, they were getting on. They were mm. doing, they were doing what they have to, they had to do to keep their family afloat. And then they'll have one thing happen, whether it's a domestic violence, um, violent, in, violence incident, or someone died or loss of a job. And just like that, they're living in the shelter. Sometimes you have people who are working and still living in the shelter system because they're unable to um, maintain like, you know, a living wage, yeah. especially in New York city, which is expensive. So I, you know, decided through the help of our wonderful coach and coaching program, uh, Dr. Dre, 
And I said, you know what, I'm going to, I'm going to teach financial basics. I'm really going to start teaching financial literacy because I want women and young adults, because I do a lot of speaking engagements, engagements uh, to, 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 the, to young adults. And I really want them to understand that, you know, money isn't everything, but it can alleviate a lot of problems and it can alleviate and it can and it can contribute to your overall overall well-being in terms of less stress, uh, less physical ailments, um, you know, being able to leave a legacy for your loved ones, especially like in our community, you know, um, you know, the black community, we we lag behind in that. There's a lot of there's a lot of reasoning for yeah. that. Some of it is, you know, historical, institutionalized racism, but still, I still want us to be able to move forward because in this country, economics is a big deal. Um, being able to leave a legacy for your children. You know, I'm in a lot of financial, like physician financial groups, and I see things like, oh, well, you know, um, I don't have any school debt because my parents paid for it. Or, um, you know, I had a, you know, a little obstacle, but, you know, grandma was able to yeah. pay for my 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 mortgage. And, and, you know, I mean, that can make a big difference. That can, that, that can make a huge difference. Oh, I'm leaving, you know, a million dollars for my children because I don't want them to struggle. I don't want to ha- have them pay for schooling or for their home mm-hmm. or whatever. So I really want, um, it's really my desire because I want people to be generally healthy. And, and even when I look back on my life, I think about my grow, you know, growing up, you know, my family said, you know, I said I was a first generation, um, American, my family's West Indian. They came to this country, did well initially. And, um, you know, we bought, my parents weren't college graduates, but they were hardworking, Mm-hmm. Father worked in a hospital. My mother worked in the garment district, but they were they were hardworking um, people. Bought a home on Long Island, but then my father became ill, and that just turned our whole world upside down. He became ill. My parents separated, and we really had to pick ourselves up. and And thank God, my mother was so diligent with her finances. I mean, I call her the financial czar. <laughs> well, I, she... I feel you. My mom, my mom is like that too. She, she reminds me of if Rain Man wasn't on the spectrum, that's how she is with money. I'm like, yeah, yeah, because I mean, but you know what? That's what got us out of our predicament. You know, I'm doing well. My brother's doing well. She's doing well. She retired early. So because, you know, and I, so I learned everything firsthand from her. So, so by combining my personal, you were talking earlier about like couch, (laughs) (laughs) you know, it's part personal because yeah, I lived through it, but I succeeded and, and prospered, um, by, you know, um, taking into account and, you know, applying all the lessons I learned as a young, young person, and, you know, by watching my mother and my financial background. So I, um, so that's how I 
came, that was a roundabout way of talking about how ladynomics came about, but that's really the background. Hey, I, that's the beauty of podcasts. <laughs> Dr. Randy's story is so inspiring to me. It's never too late to follow your dreams. I've known that I wanted to be a doctor since I was three, so I've always been on this path. But I admire people that start this path to becoming a physician later. Also, I love hearing how people can continue to follow their dreams, no matter where they are in their life. Her story also brings out how the way you serve your purpose can change and being open to change and new visions for your life can have such huge impacts. Have you ever dealt with fear when you have new dreams and new goals? I also love how she talked about protecting her space. Can you just tell how much I love that segment? I surely did. Up next is Dr. Tracy Hermanstein. I love her name. It sounds so distinguished. She is a neuroscientist and PhD, y'all. Neuroscientist, yes. I totally love this episode. Stay tuned to hear about Greek letter organizations, black scientists, and my life as a chemist along with mental health. Let's get to the clip. Better with Dr. Erica. Can, can you just speak a little bit about some of the ways that these organizations help the community? So, as you know, as a fellow member of Alpha Kappa Alpha Sorority Incorporated, um, and as well as the other eight organizations, our primary common mission together really is to be of service. Um, we come together, we either do it as individual organizations, chapters, or with the pen, we come together in a collective. And um, and each chapter, each organization have their own themes according to their national um, um, programming of being of help and of service. Um, with the MPAC of St. Louis, I have been, it, it has been an honor to serve as their, um, in their, their current president. I'm only six months into my two-year term, but... Um, and being able to bring about 14 chapters here, alumni chapters here in St. Louis, which equals about, you know, the numbers are growing every day, but we're a little more, almost 3,000 active members, wow. active, active members in St. Louis. And being able to help along with the tradition, because the MPHC of St. Louis is strong. It's, um, it's dating, it's over 40 years strong. And the power of the collective that we go out and we have programming where we bring now all nine organizations, which equal 14 chapters here in St. Louis, together to do work and, and, and to help with scholarly achievement. You know, during my administration now, I'm, I'm, I'm mostly interested in um, wanting to get scholarly achievement, of course, going because our, we are educated people mm -hmm. of color. Um, through our nine organizations. But I'm also very much so interested in the, the Black economic dollar and strengthening that. And mm -hmm. so and what we can do to help each other, D9 members who own their businesses and as well as other um, black owned businesses. So we are, we are working uh, collaboratively with a lot of organizations um, in particular, the urban league of St. Louis, um, the, the NAACP, St. Louis County chapter, um, other um, organizations that are some mostly run ran by other D9 members. Uh, we are looking to work with them to, 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 to enhance and to support them in whatever they need for our community here in St. Louis. I love all of that. <laughs> now, I, I know my listeners in Better Nation are probably wondering, 
hey, Dr. Erica, you're a psychiatrist. Does any of this have to do with mental health? So what I would say is all of this technically does because one of the things that happens and, you know, I also in my, I don't know if all of you all know, my original degree is actually, um, was originally going to be biochemistry and we had a little, little mishap happen in P chem where I got a D after a breakup. No, I know. So I never finished it with a chemistry degree. So I technically used to be a chemist (laughs) (laughs) and used to do bench research for some companies that will remain nameless, especially given that uh, everybody doesn't like them anymore. They were good back in the day. (laughs) Is that number one, getting into STEM itself can be a little bit rigorous. Um. All of us that have done it in college know how it was when everybody else was kicking it. And we all went to, I'll speak for my age. I went to college at a time where the cafeteria was not open 24 hours a day and there was not food on campus all the time. And it historically was this issue that we'd all have labs through meals. (laughs) And you'd be getting bagged lunches or trying to figure out how you're going to make it work. Because I remember Kim Lab one year was during, G Kim Lab was during dinner. And, you know, the, the struggle could be real. But the thing I'd say is in some of these fields, when the field itself is difficult, you don't always have the same amount of support when you're coming out. Because I was fortunate, somebody was asking me a question yesterday, I was told him I did have some level of privilege because my, I grew up around a bunch of engineers and chemists. Mm-hmm. So I saw a lot of scientists growing up, black scientists, I witnessed it. And when you're in all of these environments and there are a million reasons why people don't want you there, I've been in situations where people didn't want me there, is that that's tough on anybody's mental health that there's not a surprise that you can see people starting to struggle with depression or even feel traumatized by their educational experiences or anxiety because they're in these fields and are totally unsupported or people don't want them there or people are ambivalent and the culture itself is literally a breeding ground for imposter syndrome, especially for the black community, that if you're not actually supported then it's a breeding ground for everything because the the next step of this is feelings of failure, shame, and guilt and rejection. Because the other thing is in some of these higher level programs as you're moving it through is the consequence may be you may not get into school. You may not get into that grad school you wanted. You may not be able to finish your your research in the allotted time. You may not get enough grants for people to feel like you actually have value no matter how much money I mean, how much, how good your work is, you know, some folks don't want folks if they can't, if, if they don't do good grants, right. Right. they're like, I can have a research assistant. I don't need you. <laughs> I have this bachelor person fooling with this pipette and sticking this in the centrifuge. I don't necessarily need you for it. Um, is there all these different places where there can be bumps? that can just really be very difficult on not only people's self-esteem, but other mental health conditions. And then also can be just reactivate old trauma because a lot of these environments can be very traumatic. And, and honestly, I'm a huge fan of HBCUs and there, but everyone can't go to one. Yep. Every HBCU isn't good. Some people, their, 
thing that's the best fit for them isn't an HBCU. And a lot of HBCUs are also colleges. So my college was phenomenal, but you aren't going to get a PhD from Spelman because it's a college. Right, 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 right. You know, so there are certain things that, especially if you're in STEM, that at some point, even if you're someone that really enjoys the nurturing aspect of HBCU, you'll end up having to leave because there just isn't enough capability to educate everyone. So I, I, I'd like to say that it's amazing how when these roads become extremely resistant, mm-hmm. how they can negatively impact people's mental health. So to, to your point and in full disclosure, um, I, I do suffer from anxiety. And um, and my mom will look at me and like, you are in one of the most high stress jobs ever for a woman who deals with anxiety. And, and I think, you know, I have learned and, and, and learn how to cope with it, especially with my, um, you know, this high stressful job. And one of the things I did, even when I was in graduate school and moving on is that's why I'm so much community involved. That takes my mind mm-hmm. off things. I'm not completely always engaging and thinking about my job, my lab, the, the, the bad research results I had, the experiment didn't work. I'm able to escape, but escape in a productive way. Mm-hmm. And, 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 and I have to say, and this is how, you know, the Lord has just been blessed. I just published a paper. It just came out in um, Nature Biotechnology. Um, and we, and me and my colleague, um, Jim Skeet, we just published some work discussing the role of graduate students and undergraduate students giving back and, evol- and how it's been helping with their mental um, space, helping them with resiliency, helping them with wanting to come back. And, 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 and now we are definitely, you know, WashU, especially our, our director of the PhD programs, um, is really wanting to implement that in training. And so, you know, and, and that's kind of another where I, I came in. I have brought a lot of philanthropic work to, to, to the students to do. So we do science demonstrations. I have students help me with creating curriculum and things of like that. But they're just giving back and they find it so rewarding. And, you know, and so and, and, I, and I've been lucky with the with with um with the MPHC and my role in Greek life is that the organizations that I've gotten to bring and 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 have Washu work and sponsor these are all organizations that I've chosen that are led by D9 members because we have the same mindset we want to mm-hmm. help we want to go back in and so and and they want to do a lot of STEM work they want tutoring they want you know these kind of helps for these kids who don't necessarily have the resources and the other thing is they don't see students who look like them who are currently doing it, who are currently in science, who want to be doctors, who want to be this, who want to be that. And so I I do realize and and value the importance of representation. So we have learned and published on this that this helps. Philanthropic work, volunteering work, using your skills as scientists, getting you out of the lab, thinking about it in a little different context, helping someone else, helps in your performance, helps them want to do better. Where they're, they're, they're passing their calls more. They're, they're getting through their proposals. They're on track to staying on. And they're doing this as extra work, and they're still on track as someone who's not doing it. And so I just think that we have to be very cognizant of the, of the importance of giving back. It helped me tremendously at a university like WashU, a top R1 institution. You know, it's so competitive, but allowing me that time 
to give back and to recenter myself. So in terms of mental health, it absolutely is important. I always love when episodes remind me of home. I may be an AT alien, but there is no place like home. Good old St. Louis. Dr. Tracy's story reminds me of how often your dreams can be limited by what you've seen, what you think is possible. This segment highlighted the Better 7 principle of support, from the role of community to the value of quality mental health treatment. She also highlighted how being of service and giving back can enhance your life. One of my goals with this show is to help put you back in your life so you have the physical and emotional energy to serve others while you still serve yourself. Yes, I don't want this to be a a lifetime of service to the detriment of your own physical, mental, emotional, and spiritual health. Better with Dr. Erica. It's time for Ask Dr. Erica. Now, I was recently on a panel for the Atlanta chapter of the National Association of Health Service Executives. And they asked me about what kind of things do I do for self-care? Now, I'm going to give you a tidbit that I realized I didn't even share with them. Is one thing that is really important, and I was actually having a conversation with another panelist before this started. We do accountability partners for so much. We do it for business. We'll do it for working out. We may do it for diet, but I'm a fan of doing it for self-care. I remember right before taping the podcast episode with Dr. Chantrell Crawford, we actually talked about becoming accountability partners for self-care. And I believe that's a secret way well, secret because people don't talk about it, of making yourself more accountable for pouring into yourself, especially as far as self-care goes, is have an accountability partner. We have accountability partners for everything else we do. It's time to start getting accountability partners for all of those things that are going to help put you back in your life. They're going to help build you as a human being. Those things that are going to improve your experience on this earth. It's time. So that's it. Get an accountability partner for your self-care. Now back to the show. Better with Dr. Erica. On to my next guest, Drexwell Seymour. He is a certified public accountant and the author of Rise Up and Take Your Position. I need to say that one more time. Rise Up and Take Your Position, where he tackles the burden of inferiority complexes. Stay tuned to hear a quick discussion of money, mindset, and purpose. When mindset and purpose are aligned, it's amazing what happens to the money. You know we all want the money. We want the happiness, but let's not lie. We want the money too. So on to the clip. Better with Dr. Erica. How, how do you suggest that people find their purpose? You know, first of all, I believe, let me just make it clear. I believe that everybody has a purpose. I want everybody to know that because some people believe that they're on this earth and they don't have a purpose. Everybody has a purpose. You, you, were, you were not created just to be created here. You were created for a purpose. And there are things within inside of you that you find joy. And to me, that's a hint. That is your purpose. The things that you enjoy doing, the things that you go to sleep thinking about, the things that you wake up thinking about, the things that you don't have to be worrying about, oh man, I don't feel like getting up to go to work. Those are the things, um, they are the flags, they are the, they are the identification to determine what your purpose is. And it, it might not even be your current job, that's okay. 
you may be in that job because, you know, that's what you study and you're making money from it. But there, deep within you, there's something greater that you enjoy. And I think that is where you connect to your purpose. And that's where I found my purpose, which is to inspire, to influence, and to encourage people. And I do that through my writings, and I do that through my YouTube, and I did it through my book. So I can't let this this slide by since you are an accountant in the middle of inspiring people. <laughs> what What is your theory or your idea between the relationship of money and happiness? Well, everybody, everybody needs money, I believe. I believe everybody needs money. But you could have money and still be unhappy. It'd be nice if you could, if you have money and be happy. That's, that, that's powerful. Um, money, money could help you to be happy, but you could don't have any money and still, um, be happy. Um, happiness to me is, is achieving, is achieving your goals that you, that you set to, you know, that you establish and you, and you achieve them. That's being, to me, that's being happy, living out and achieving the goals. And I believe that if you do that, money will come. Mm -hmm. That's what I believe. But you don't need to go in life pursuing money, so to speak. I think you should pursue your goals, um, pursue your purpose, and then the money will flow. And that's, to me, how money and, and happiness um, equate. It will come afterwards. That reminds me a little bit. There's this book by Ken Honda called Happy Money. Oh, okay. I have to check that out. And it talks about the the energy and the relationships with money. It's quite intriguing. My mindset coach, Dr. Carol Penn, who is wonderful, recommended it to me. I mm -hmm. totally, totally love this book. Um, and I wanted to get your take on this because, sure. number one, you you deal with the money. <laughs> <laughs> you got to be good with money at least I do. I to, do to not have everybody getting audited because yeah. nobody wants the audit. No. Uh, but, but I do think there are, there are these things, especially that you talked about when it comes to the pursuit of goals or what you define as happiness and then also financial freedom. And I agree with you. I think people that say money doesn't matter at all are straight lying. Yeah. Um, you know, you look at the hierarchy of needs. People, you know, if you don't have enough money, you can't pay your bills. You can't eat. You can't keep a roof over your head. Exactly. You're focused on survival. You are not going to be focused on what brings me joy or as um, Marie Kondo would say, what sparks joy. You're mm. not going to be concerned about what's sparking joy. But I do also agree with the fact that how I interpret what you said, you can let me know my interpretation, sure. Sure. is that if you are, are living in your purpose and pursuing your goals and taking care of yourself, it puts you in a better space to be in a space of abundance, which will attract the money. Absolutely. You, you did it well. Yes. Thank you. Yes. Thank you. Thank you. Yes. So I, I'd say this is my other plug is having good mental health will help you have more money. Yes. You, you need to be, 
you need to have a you need to be mentally well because if you're not you're going to spend all your time being depressed or being concerned but if you're mentally well you know it will allow you to 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 um be free and 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 give you the energy and the drive to 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 do what you want to do but when you're not you may end up staying home and hiding from people and not doing anything well and and you you did just name some of the some of our symptoms <laughs> but but at the end of the day you need the cognitive clarity that comes with mental wellness to make the best decisions on not only how to manage your money but how to work smarter not harder True. and the more cognitive capacity you have and cognitive clarity the better decisions you can actually make with your money True. So as we talked about the money, we talked about the inferiority complex. Can you tell the people a little bit more about this book? Okay, so my book is called um, Rise Up and and Take Your Position. So basically, it's on Amazon. And basically, I came up with those words because I find that too many of us are just laying down, waiting on the right person, waiting on the right moment. And there's no, or the perfect person, the perfect moment. And there's no perfect moment, perfect person. So I think the time is for us to get up now. And so I, I want to encourage people to rise up. From wherever you, wherever you are, get up, cultivate those gifts within you, invest in those gifts, and, and rise up. And when you rise up, and you are able to, to um, pursue those gifts that you have within you. You are, you are walking in your destiny. And that is what this book about. It's, it, it was really catered towards people who are suffering from, from low self-esteem. Because you find they're very depressed or don't want to talk to anybody. Then they're in a small little corner. And so that's why I say, you better rise up and take your position. And that's what the book is about. Okay, I love it. Mm-hmm. Sometimes you got to get up and get moving. It's kind of like yes. Dory. Just yes. keep swimming. Yes, you got to. Because if you don't do it, nobody's going to do it for you. And sometimes we wait on people. Or we say, oh, you're waiting on the Lord. You're waiting on the Lord. You know, but the Lord will not physically come down and do it for you. He may send someone to you. You, don't even, you might reject that person because you say you're waiting. You need to realize it's the moment is now, so rise up. Better with Dr. Erica. Drexwell broke it down, y'all. Confidence goes such a long way and is tightly connected to the better seven principle of self-talk. It's way too easy to be harsh to yourself, and that self-criticism or negative thinking can tear you down. Who wants to tear yourself down? I know you don't want to. When you shift into being more aware of your self-talk and change that into a conversation where you uplift yourself great things happen. And then when you can get your actions to align with your perfect, there's a sweet spot. Your internal beliefs can substantially impact your relationship with money and success. So don't forget, you don't have to figure out all of this stuff on your own. You don't have to know how to fix your mood, mindset, and money. Don't be afraid to get some help. You know, we talked about that better seven principle of support. Sometimes it's useful to get some people to help you out so you don't have to figure out all of this. The other thing is that takes some of the burden off of you and then you can focus on 
the execution and restoration when you have some assistance. You know, you've got this. Better with Dr. Erica. Welcome to Goodwin Medical Associates, where we provide customized, caring telepsychiatry that is delivered with compassion by a Harvard-trained, double-board-certified psychiatrist. Don't you know that everyone, including you, deserves great mental health? Visit www.goodwintelepsych.com for more information and to book your free consultation. Let me introduce you to Better Nation. Better Nation is the community of people that follow the Better with Dr. Erica podcast that are like you and want to be better, do better, and live better. By becoming a member of Better Nation, you also get to receive member-only bonus content to put you officially in the inner circle, show notes with timestamps so you don't have to search for your favorite moments, and some bonus free coaching tools. So visit joinbetternation.com. That's joinbetternation.com to become a VIP and be a part of Better Nation. Better with Dr. Erica. Better with Dr. Erica. This next clip features Kenya Pierre, intellectual property attorney extraordinaire, and the person that can take the best jumping pictures for social media. Yes, her pics are epic. Check one of my favorite clips from the season where she addresses what you need to know about intellectual property, especially during this time where so many are becoming entrepreneurs and creators. You know, between everything being on the Facebook, the Instagram, the LinkedIn, the Clubhouse, and the YouTube, everybody's trying to do things themselves. So listen in to not miss the one thing you truly need to know. We also discuss how important it is to find your path, whether or not you decide that path is being an entrepreneur. On to the clip. Better with Dr. Erica. If there was one thing you could tell someone, someone on these entrepreneurial, I'm making stuff, I'm making stuff, I'm making changes, I'm making moves, I'm dropping gym streets. What's <laughs> the one thing you would tell folks about intellectual property? Or the one thing you wish people would tell that they just don't say? It's just not as easy as it appears. And advice costs money. Like getting advice about your the intellectual property of your business that you're, you know, that you want to invest in also takes money. You know, I think that people don't remember that, you know, lawyers especially, we get paid to talk to you. You know, and it doesn't seem like you should pay us to talk to you, but really that's what that's what we're doing. We have a lot of knowledge that we can share with you. And so, you know, people see the tangibles in their business and they're willing to pay for a cost of goods or the building or mm -hmm. the utilities and all the services, but they forget to pay for the behind the scenes that will make everything go smoothly. And that is a lot of the times your legal fees. Yeah. And so don't cut corners there because it's just going to cost you more. So if, when people are um, you know, starting their businesses, be sure to set aside some fees for legal, legal fees, legal consultation, legal services. It is part of your business. And you, know, you can put it on your taxes, go talk to your accountant about how you, you know, put legal fees as a line item <laughs> in your expenses, but make it part of your expenses. We will save you so much time and money if you talk to us up front, then if you 
try to play catch up and you're like, oh, I, I'm in trouble now with this. And I didn't know that somebody else had my mark and I didn't know somebody else was doing this or they said I was infringing their mark. What does that even mean? And it just, would, it, you know, that would be my one thing that I wish people would understand and, and take the time for. Well, and I love that you brought up the idea of putting it in the budget, just as you would have anything else like an operating budget that you need to have exactly. legal fees in there and just kind of proactively plan. I exactly. think one of the hard things is just, especially in the pandemic, is people between either feeling like regular work wasn't working or having to leave your jobs because everything was just well, not was, it's still janky. Or or people just feeling like it's it's time to YOLO. I've had these ideas. I've wanted to do these things. You only live once. Everybody's dying. I'm going to do it. Yeah. And, and I think it's, the interesting thing is, even when I became an entrepreneur is, I feel like there are all these things people never really talked about that once you start doing it, you realize this is a lot more complicated than it looked like. Um, and I, I think that's one of those things in there is just the the role of all these different professionals, including legal teams that you have to hire to make sure you do things right. And then figuring out how do you work with it, depending on what your budget is. But you just want to make sure that you protect all your hard work. Yeah. And, and you know, I think another thing that people have to understand is being an entrepreneur is that is not for the week. I mean, People think, oh, it's easy. I'm going to make all this money and all this stuff. And it's like, first of all, you have to make sure you understand that you probably won't make money at first and 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 be Preach. comfortable with that. <laughs> so <laughs> you have to be willing to take a loss and you have to like learn that that is part of the evolution of an entrepreneur. entrepreneur. Um, and you have to be a hustler. Like you have to work hard to be an entrepreneur. People have asked me several times, like, why don't you open up your own firm? And I'm like, because I don't have that in me. <laughs> I just <laughs> I just don't. You know, I, I, I have a, a unique path um, of being, you know, a few of the people that have gone straight from law school right into corporate America um, in what we call in-house. Um, so I haven't even worked for a firm where I had clients, you know, like random mm-hmm. clients out, out in the field. Because honestly... I never wanted to hustle that hard. I don't have that hustle mindset. You know, I, it's, it's weird. I can do it for other people, but I can't do it for myself. And, but, but I know me and that's okay. And I know that that's why I don't have a business. I don't, when I see people doing their own thing and building their businesses, I'm like, yeah, they're going to make it. And yeah, they're doing right. I'm like, that's not me. Like I need I need a corporation. I need somebody, you know, say, Hey, I'm your client and this is who you're going to work for because it's comfortable. And then I can, and I can do other things that, you know, I already don't have time for, but it is, it is hard work. And I think people underestimate the hard work aspect of being an entrepreneur. It is. Cause I swear I didn't realize that was going to mean I work every day. Right. <laughs> Cause I'm like, Oh, before I, when I was off, I was off. And now it's like, you off. Yes. But I, yes. I I love what you said because I think sometimes in this world or this conversation where, you know, people make it seem like entrepreneurship is the be all end all is that just like being a doctor isn't for everyone. Being an entrepreneur yeah. isn't for everyone. It doesn't mean someone is any less qualified, less brilliant, less things to offer to the world. 
sometimes it's just not the best fit. Just like there are times where an HBCU can change your life. And then there are some people that that's, that's not going to be their ministry. That's, that's not what's going <laughs> to, that's not the best fit for them. And I, I want to make sure that we leave space for the fact that whether you work for yourself or you don't, that doesn't have any statement of your value as a human being or a member of society. And it's okay if, if you don't want to work for yourself. There's still a lot of, of power and work that can be done to be able to assert control over your space, even within another organization without necessarily having to own it. Absolutely. And, and, and I think you hit it on the, on the head when you said it's, it's okay. It's okay. Whichever way you go, it is okay. Mm-hmm. That, that's, that's the way to go. And, you know, finding your authenticity within whichever path you take, that's the most important, you know, whatever makes you happy to be successful in whatever s- stream you take. Right. Well, and that's the beautiful thing, because I think what happens sometimes, especially, I feel like some of these conversations have been amplified under the the pretense of the pandemic, because so many people have either been in flux or looking for something else, mm-hmm. is that you? it's almost like sometimes I'm in spaces and you hear these messages kind of like, if you're being authentic, you're working for yourself. Like there's yeah. <laughs> there's no space to be authentic without working for right. yourself. And there are so many different ways to assert and live your truth and live in your authenticity. And it's yeah. not necessarily limited to you working for yourself so you make every single decision. And I want to amplify the fact that there are so many other ways to be authentic. And just as there are pluses of having the control of working for yourself, that for in some ways, sometimes working in other environments can provide people with more space to have more easily assert boundaries than you can when something's yours. Yeah, if, it, I think if it's your business, you got to make the money. You know, it's like it just it just is what it is. You know, when you're an yeah, employee, I, you just got to do your work and then you can go home. I think COVID um, allowed people to you know think deeper into what it is that's important to them, and I think out of that, you know, a lot of us who were working in corporate environments were working in this like hustle. They, they feel like they were hustling, but they were hustling for somebody else. And it's like, well, if I'm going to hustle this hard, I might, might as well hustle for myself. And it just that switch isn't always as easy. And, and for some people, it's worked very well. But for some people, you know, it's like, ah, let me come back. Um, I think also just being someone who literally was like born and raised as a lawyer mm-hmm. in corporate America, um, and especially as a black woman, especially as a black woman in patent law, um, you know, we, we were just exhausted, you know, exhausted from that corporate life of just working and grinding and getting kind of nowhere or being disrespected or being overlooked and mm-hmm. being overshadowed. And I think that's what really came out of like people's like career trajectories and, and COVID is that the realization that you know, life is too short to be miserable working for somebody else. Yeah. You know, and I, so I think like either you have to find a culture that you can be authentic in and it's okay to, to come to mm-hmm. work fully because we all know that being your authentic self is, is kind of like, I'm putting air quotes up. 
because it's not it, not everybody's allowed to do that, you know. Right. And and I think we have to recognize that that is real and that people weren't able to be authentic. And, you know, there was code switching going on, especially in our community when we went into corporate environments. And so, you know, I think for me, I was very fortunate to find a place that finally I feel like I can actually come to work Mm -hmm. and be me and people are okay with who I am. But I think for some people, they have not yet found that. And so then the alternative is, okay, well, let me, you know, I know I'm great and doing really well, Mm -hmm. Let me take that out and let me make a, a a business out of it. And it's worked for a lot of people and and I commend them. Um, but I think there's also a, another, you know, lane where people are still searching. So, um, you know, that I think that really came out of COVID is that people are like, you know, I'm really just tired. I'm, I'm exhausted. And and that has to be recognized. Indeed. I mean, I feel like so many people were exhausted exhausted. I, I even got really exhausted yeah. um, in the middle of it. But I do feel like there's this space and, and it's one of the reasons I also advocate for, for people to work with different skilled professionals. Because sometimes when you start getting on these journeys and you realize either you're in spaces where you don't feel comfortable being authentic or you're in spaces where you don't necessarily feel valued and you feel like you need to make a change, but you're not sure exactly what the change is or where you need to go or what exactly it is, that those are times where it's good sometimes to work with coaches and sometimes therapists to just kind of figure out what's what's going on, how are you feeling, why do you feel that way, and, and what's going to help you help you feel like you're actually your whole self. Yeah. Because Thanks. I think sometimes – yo, go ahead. I was going to just say, like, just psychological safety is is important. And it's something that, you know, particularly, you know, in in corporate world and, you know, being a person of color or being a woman or being both, you know, we we were in places where it was not, we did not have psychological safety. You know, we were just being taken for granted. And I think out of this whole, you know, that whole 2020 craziness, um, just so much came out of it. And now... You know, I think some companies, not not all, but some companies were really dedicated to looking inward and saying, you know what, we don't provide a safe space for everybody. Let's change this. Or we're not diverse. Let's change this. And some companies actually walked all that talk that they were doing and mm-hmm. they decided like, you know what, let's, let's put some action behind it. I still see companies talking a lot and they're just talking and they talk and they just talk, talk some more. And unfortunately those are the places that some people are in where they're like, I'm tired, you yeah. know, being, being a person of color, being a woman, you know, having, or being different, you know, is, is exhausting. And that should not, that's not fair, you know? So I think people are just trying to find their place and, and um, and I think companies are going to have to change and they're going to have to respond. And, and like I said, some companies have. They've done a great job. Um, I know my, my company is definitely, you know, I will put them in that box of, yeah, you guys are getting it right. But um, for people who are who are doing their own thing and 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 creating consulting opportunities for themselves or creating different businesses, you know, keep doing it and keep shining because, you know, that is a, a, also a space where you can be authentic, but mm. also provide that value and those experiences and those expertise to the world, you know, that you have, you know, you can be an engineering consultant or a marketing consultant right. and still be great. 
Kenya may have been the last, but definitely was not the least. I love this conversation over purpose, seasons, and how powerful aligning both of these can be. With this culture of entrepreneurship, I sometimes see times when people are shamed due to being employed and being a traditional employee. There are so many ways to make a difference no matter how you work. There are even ways to capture the entrepreneurial spirit while being an employee. So did you catch all those big pearls from Kenya? One of the biggest takeaways, um, edit that right. One of the biggest takeaways was have your intellectual property protected and plan for that. Put it in your budget and make sure it is done right. You don't want to have to do it more than once. You don't have to pay somebody else to fix something. It's best to get it done right the first time. We also talked about the importance of finding ways to work in a safe space and assessing if your work environment does not feel safe. And it's important to do that because you may need to do something else or go somewhere else. I also love how her story demonstrates how your life evolves in different seasons. This episode highlights why it is so important to have time to be still to get clarity because that clarity can also substantially help your mental health. I'm so bummed that we reached the end of the episode. I love these best of episodes. I feel like I always learn something new. So I hope you feel the same way. Now, thanks for tuning into this episode of Better with Dr. Erica. You literally could have listened to a zillion other podcasts and you chose mine. I feel special. You've got me smiling and grinning from ear to ear. Now it's time for me to congratulate you on choosing you. You chose to take some time specifically for you. That's a win too. Let me give you a big round of applause. Now, you know what? I'll be back next week with another best of episode, so you don't want to miss it. To stay on top of all things Better with Dr. Erica, follow or subscribe to the podcast. That way you'll get alerted to the new bonuses and to new podcast episodes. You know I love to give those bonuses. I'm giving you one now. Now, can you also do me a favor and share the podcast? Help me keep it from being a best kept secret. Don't keep all of this knowledge to yourself. Let your hairdresser, Uber driver, Lyft driver, family, friends, co-workers, dog walkers, and neighbors know. <laughs> you get the drift. Last, can you rate and review the podcast? This will help me get even more great content to you, and I want to get you the best. You deserve the best. Now, don't forget to stay safe. COVID is still out here in these streets, and now Monkeypox also wants to hang out. It's important for us to do what we can to maintain our health. I want us to be able to have conversations one, two, three, four, and five years from now. We all have to be here, so we have to take care of ourselves. And that's one of the reasons I'm here for you, to help you take care of your mental and physical health and put it all together so that you can have that longevity to have that value in your life. Now take your left hand, put it on your right arm. Take your right hand, put it on your left arm. Give yourself a big squeeze. You know, you deserve that hug. Now, if you're driving, you can't do this right now. You gotta wait till you park. Now, this episode is really over. <laughs> I'm so sad, but I'm gonna catch you soon. So until next time, have a better day. Find me on social media at Dr. Erica, D-O-C-T-O-R-E-R-I-C-K-A on all social media and online at betterthepodcast.com. That's betterthepodcast.com. If you like what you heard, tap on that subscribe or follow button. Then click share and click rate and review. Now don't panic if you don't see rate and review. Sometimes it mainly shows up on Apple Podcasts and Audible. But I appreciate hearing your feedback. Check back weekly for new episodes. They drop on Tuesday mornings. Until next time. 
Be better, do better, live better. Better with Dr. Erica. If you enjoy podcasts like this, you should check out our other shows on Health Podcast Network. For example, Nurse Wellness Podcast, hosted by Wendy Garvin Mayo, focuses on the power of stress management and how it's foundational to being your best, doing your best, and giving your best. There's a wonderful episode that you should check out called Letting Go, where Wendy Garvin Mayo shares six strategies to release control and manage stress effectively. Check out Nurse Wellness Podcast on your favorite podcast platform or visit healthpodcastnetwork.com.